Good morning. If you're going to open your Bible at 2 Kings 5, we're going to be looking at the story of Naaman today. That was a positive noise for anyone who was wondering. It wasn't a groan. Oh. Thanks, Will. Brilliant. Great platform to preach on. Um, let me find it in my Bible too, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? Before we read together the story of Naaman, I just want to pray for us. You want to pray for me as well? So let's focus on God, let's invite him to come. Father, we're so glad that we're able to meet freely and hear your word preached, Lord. And we're convinced this is the word of God and therefore it changes us. So I ask, Lord, help us as individuals and corporately to be responsive to your word this morning, to be responsive to your spirit, and to walk out this building changed because of your word, Lord, because of you at work. Amen. So I'm going to read from verse 1. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill him being back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Make the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a message to to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his Lord and his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpa, of the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much, more than, how much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God 
had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant, and we'll leave the story there. There is much more that happens, which is very interesting, but won't be part of our subject matter for today. So what is this story all about? The NIV title tells us, Naaman healed of leprosy, a suitable summary of the story. But why was this included? Why does it appear in Scripture? Well, it's always good to look at commentators and commentaries to see what they say. But fortunately for us, the best commentator commentates on this, which is Jesus. So we're going to look at what Jesus says briefly. That's in Luke 4. In Luke 4 and verse 27, Jesus says this, And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. And it says in 28, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this, and they got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. It seems a fairly innocuous statement that Jesus is saying. He's saying, Loads of people in Israel had leprosy, but only name was healed. Well, the context here for Jesus is just bitten to Nazareth, into the synagogue. He's read from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. It's his kingdom mandate. Jesus said, this is what I'm here to do. This is how the kingdom of God is going to extend. This is how the reign of God's going to extend. And then he says to them, and Naaman was healed. Why is that important? Naaman was not part of Israel. Naaman was outside of God's chosen people. And Jesus is saying this, the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is breaking out, the kingdom is near, and it's going to go to the Gentiles. It's going to go beyond the people of Israel. It's going to go beyond Nazareth. It's going to go beyond this synagogue And the Jews there were offended by this idea. For them, that was blasphemous. The people of God were special. But Jesus says, no, there is more. The kingdom is greater. The kingdom is bigger. The kingdom will break out. And therefore, as we look at this story, we need to look at this story through the lens of the kingdom, through the lens of how Jesus saw it, the kingdom breaking out. And we look at that as a holistic sense. Something significant happens here. The kingdom of God breaks out into Gentile territory and Gentile people. It's not just contained within God's selected people that time. And an overall lesson for us is this. God's kingdom will break out beyond these four walls, beyond these people. But we're going to go through the story step by step and look at how the kingdom breaks out. We look at Naaman healed of leprosy. Yes, the kingdom of God has broken out. But there's so many other ways, subtle ways in this story where God is at work and they are there to encourage us and help us understand how we can enable the kingdom to break out in our lives more effectively. Does that make sense? Excellent. Good foundation, good start. Can I get a grunt on that, Will or not? Yes. Excellent, thank you. He's working on those positive noises, they're going really well. So we're going to start by looking at the servant girl. 
for me, we look at this story and we go, Elisha is very impressive in this. He comes out great. But I look at the servant girl and I think she is something else. She is exceptionally impressive. Let's look at her backstory. She was taken captive in the war, in the battle, when the Aram came and took over Israel, she was taken captive. She was taken away from her family, and she was made to be a servant in a household of, um, of Naaman. Naaman and his family were a different country, a different culture, a different language. Everything was different. She was taken from what she knew, everything that was secure, everything that was helpful, everything that was loving. She was dragged out of that through battle and placed in a completely different situation. Can you even begin to imagine what that feels like? Can you begin to get your head around how difficult and how challenging that would be at every single level? From the basic communication down to her security, her love, it's all been ripped away. When I was in year one at school, I was in Hill Farm Infant School in Coventry. And my parents decided for some reason that we needed to move house, which meant that I had to move schools. And I can still remember my starting day at Whitmore Park Primary School. And I wept all day long. I was so sad. I I knew Hill Farm Primary School. It was like home to me. My friends were there. My teacher was there. It was lovely. I was dragged and ripped out. And I was placed in this new school. It was so bad. They had to bring my twin brother from another class just to sit with me so I wouldn't weep. So I just reduced down to a sobbing rather than weeping because it was affecting the teaching. It was heartbreaking for me. That is just a tiny, tiny bit of what this little servant girl was feeding. A tiny, small amount of the amount of turmoil and trauma that she was going through. And when we get that context, when we get that background, we then understand how impressive she is. Why is that? She lets the kingdom break out. She is the catalyst for this whole story. It all begins with her. It starts with her forgiving her master. It doesn't say that in the text. I'm deducing that by the fact that she's seeking the best for him. She knows there's a possibility of healing. She doesn't keep that to herself, but she says to her mistress, I know how my master can get healed. Let me suggest to you that she has somehow, through the grace and empowerment of God, sought and gained and enabled herself to forgive her master. Just to think how much that it would have taken. It's no small thing. All that she was feeling, all that she was suffering, she's come to a place of forgiveness that she might seek the best for them. What's your work situation like? What's it like at school for you? Is it difficult? Is it challenging? Has someone been a bit horrible to you? Is, is your boss not treating you the way they want, that you want, you to, you want them to? Are you not getting the promotion you think you deserve? Or at school, has your teacher marked your work in a way you think that's not right and you're getting a little bit uppity about it? This servant girl allowed the kingdom to break out because she let forgiveness come that she might seek the best for those who were really her enemies. And there are people in our lives that we wouldn't even count enemies, but we don't seek the best for them because they've done something a little bit wrong towards us. They've hurt us a little bit. 
But in God's strength, we can forgive and seek the best for our enemies or people who are less than our enemies and see the kingdom begin to break out. But even more impressive than this, this servant girl has significant faith. Why do I know that? Well, I don't know that, but I suspect that, and I'll tell you why I suspect that. We have no, I think, no recorded healings of leprosy in the Old Testament. Jesus says there was loads of lepers in, that, in Israel in that time, and they weren't healed. And yet, this servant girl proclaims with confidence, go and see Elisha and you will be healed. And why? Why, is, why did she say that? I think she knows the scriptures. If you look in Leviticus 14.3, it says that if someone with leprosy goes and ceremonially cleanses themselves, they should come back to the priest who will check to see if they've been healed. So there is a hint there in Scripture that healing from leprosy is possible. And this servant girl, she may or may have not had access to that physically, but she seems to know something of the possibility of healing from leprosy. She has such Faith, but her faith goes beyond just saying this is for the Jews. She says, This is for my master, he will be healed. God uses this servant girl, and the kingdom breaks out through her forgiveness and through her faith. And let me encourage you with this, and this links somewhat to what Becky said, really. In the worst of situations, In the most challenging of times, when you feel weak, when you feel enchained, when you feel enslaved even, like the servant girl, God can use you. And the kingdom can break out. It may not be huge whiz-bang fireworks, reference to the 5th of November, thought I'd get one in there. But it might be through forgiveness. It might be through just believing God for something. It might be through clinging on to the word of God and saying, I'm going to believe this. You may not feel able to be Elisha, the man of power for the hour. Go and wash yourself and you'll be healed. But you can say, look, this is the way. Wherever you're at this morning, if you're in Christ, you have the potential for the kingdom of God to break out in your life. Because the spirit of God is at work in your life. And these examples this morning are by no means meant to be prescriptive and the only ways it can happen. But let me encourage you, firstly, with this servant girl, wow, God uses her in a difficult situation. And if I can put it more, in a more challenging way, we haven't really got an excuse. I think most of us can look at this situation and say, I'm not in that bad a situation, which means that God can still use you. Right now, today, this week, God can use you. Right, let's move on. Naaman. Naaman. What a guy. He is impressive. What do we read about him? He was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded because he'd given victory to Aram. Wow, he was a valiant soldier. He was impressive. If you met him in a dark alley, you would be scared. He reminds me or maybe it's just my imagination. This is a reference to the 1980s. For those of you who don't get that, have a chat with your parents later. Jaws, 
in James Bond, I was scared of him. Seven foot something, built like a brick stone house, massive. He, teeth of metal, teeth of metal. He was scary. If you met Naaman, you'd be scared. He was impressive. He led the whole army. He led the army to victory. You did not mess with him. But he had a significant problem. He had leprosy. For those who don't know, leprosy is a skin disease which numbs the skin and leads to infections. And eventually, your limbs, if not treated, your limbs or fingers, they just fall off. It's horrible. If you're a commander of the army, you need your limbs. They're fairly important if you're going to fight and lead the army. So for Naaman, this isn't just some sort of skin disease. This is a threat to his livelihood, a threat to his status, a threat to everything he knows. This is significant for him. But he's got another issue that he doesn't know about, but God does. He's proud. He's exceptionally proud. And God is going to deal with his leprosy, but God's also going to deal with his pride too. Now, I suspect nobody here has leprosy. And we may struggle to relate to Naaman as being the most impressive guy in the world. Mike, maybe not. You know, you're, you're quite impressive physically. So you can relate to Naaman a little bit. But we can relate in this way, perhaps. Are there issues in your life that are beyond your control, that you can't change, that challenge your status, that challenge your satisfaction, that challenge what life is like for you? Maybe it is a physical healing issue. Maybe it's emotional healing. Maybe it's your job situation. I don't know what it is, but maybe there's things beyond your control that you're facing. I just want to utter some words of encouragement this morning. God does the miraculous. I see it in the Word of God. I see it in the life of this church. I read about it. God can do the miraculous. I can't guarantee you a miracle this morning, but I want to encourage your faith. God can do the miraculous. But I also want to encourage you with this, and I can promise you this. God is committed to working on your character. With Naaman, he wanted to heal him and deal with his pride with us. We may have a situation that requires a miracle, But we have another situation as well. God needs to work on our character. He's about this purpose. He's making us more like Jesus. And I can guarantee you wholeheartedly, he's doing that this morning. He did it last week and he's doing it next week because he's at work in our lives. And we need to come to a place of embracing that. And maybe in the difficulties that you face or the challenges or those issues that beyond your control, maybe or probably... God is working on your character through that. We need to see that. We need to embrace that. Yes, we need to seek the miracles and go after the impossible. But at the same time, let's recognize the kingdom breaks out in this way. Not just healings, but our character being changed. It's so easy to miss, and yet it happens on a daily and weekly basis. The kingdom of God advancing in our hearts and in our lives. What about Elisha then? The man of power for the hour. Verse 9. Well, let's go from verse 8, shall we? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. 
Why have you torn your robes? Make the man come to me, and he'll know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. I love this bit of the story. Uh, this is what I lo- the word I love most in this is the word chariots. Because it gives us such a significant insight into what Naaman was like. Okay? Naaman has got an entourage. Naaman needs Elisha to know that he is really important. So he doesn't just turn up on a horse. He doesn't just turn up on a chariot with horses. He turns up with horses and chariots. He's like Beyonce and her entourage. She's got a PA. She's got security guards. She's got a fashion designer. She's got a costume. She's got makeup. She's got some more security guards. She's got some people looking pretty and beautiful. She's got a massive whole entourage because everyone needs to know she's really important. That's my Beyonce walk. <laughs> Who wants to be part of my entourage? All right, fine. <laughs> Someone last night who remained nameless said this, I think Ben's the campus person in City Church. (laughs) Not you. It got back to me, don't worry, it got back to me. He's talking about affected campness rather than actual campness, of course. This is the point. Naaman is trying to impress Elisha and make him do what he wants. He's using all his worldly power, all that he's got. He's still got all those shekels and ten sets of clothing. Why ten? I don't know. But he's got all that. And he's probably bringing it to Elisha as well and saying, look, you need to do what I want because I'm impressive and powerful and wealthy. And how does Elisha respond? Flicking through the newspaper in the front room still. He's like, oh, chariots outside. I thought he'd turn up like that. Messenger, he just sent this message. Gets back to reading his newspaper. I guess. He's not impressed or manipulated by worldly power. He's not bowing down to Naaman because he's so impressive. This, remember, Naaman is the leader of the army that has defeated Israel, which Elisha is part, part of. So technically, Elisha is subject to him. So he has to do something for him anyway, and then he comes with his entourage to show Elisha how impressive he is, but because Elisha is rooted in the word of God, he's rooted in his identity as a child of God, he doesn't shift on the basis of who Naaman is or how he arrives, he just follows God's prompting and God's word in his heart. And I think also Elisha knew that God had healing for Naaman, but also humbling. I think Elisha knew something that as well. So he doesn't even come out. He just sends a messenger. It can sound impressive that he says, do this and you get healed, than it is. But the fact he doesn't respond to that manipulation, to that power, to what the world has, he just stands firm in God, is amazing. And that's how the kingdom breaks out. Can we relate to Elisha? He's probably the hardest one to relate to in this story, I'd suggest. Can we have confidence that God will heal through us? Can we have confidence to hear God speak with the clarity that Elisha seems to have? 
Jesus went around, and part of his ministry, as he proclaimed the good news, was that people were healed. Then he said to his disciples, heal the sick. What do they do in Acts 3? Jesus is gone. They've been anointed with the Spirit. They're going out. The first thing that Peter and John do, they heal a crippled man. Throughout the Acts, we see healings happen. We're encouraged in the letters to seek that, to heal the sick. We're Jesus' disciples too, and Jesus says, greater things than these that I've done, you will do. Can we have the same confidence as Elisha? I don't want to say yes, because that would make us all feel under pressure. But let, us, let, me, let me just encourage us to come from the viewpoint of, I don't think God's going to use me to heal people. He might use someone else. I think that's where most of us kind of sit. No one's probably anywhere near Elisha saying, when I speak the word, they will be healed. But actually, as disciples of Jesus, we're called into this. And yes, there'll be those with a gift of healing and may seem to have more success and more confidence. But we're all called into it as well. And that is how the kingdom breaks out. That is how we see it. It's proclaimed in, in, in Isaiah 61. Jesus read it in Luke 4. And so that is something we're called to as well. That's what the NIV would say it's about. And let's not forget, Jesus said, that's what the story is about. The kingdom of God came through healing to a Gentile. It broke out of the four walls, the containment of the Israelites, and went. Let me just encourage us that healing and the kingdom of God can break out. We want to see it here amongst us in our small groups in Shirecliff, in the food bank, in our projects. We want to see it at school. We want to see it in our workplaces. We want to see it on the streets. For some unknown reason, the other week I was walking down Commonside and a man was walking down like this, down the road, literally like this. And I'm not into doing this, okay, so this is not about bigging me up, but it's just trying to show how easy things are. I just said, how is your back? It looks painful. He said, it's agony. And then something happened and I offered to pray for him. I don't know know what happened at that point in time. I don't normally do that. I just thought it would be nice to him. And I prayed for him, and he didn't get healed. As far as I know, he may not have done. He may do. I don't know. But I was commended for my conscientious citizenship (laughs) by him. The kingdom came in some small way. I was hoping for something bigger, for healing. And I don't know, it, it might sound like a big step to you. It didn't feel that big at the time. Because I wasn't focusing on... Oh no, I need to pray for healing here. I was like, this man is in pain. He needs help. Like physically, he needs someone to help him along the road. And in some small way, the kingdom of God comes. Now, I was hoping for more. And maybe more, I haven't got his contact number, I don't know. Maybe he's jumping and leaping around and praising God. I don't know. But I just share that as a small encouragement. I'm not anything special. I get scared as much as anyone else but when we step out we take a little step God then pushes us over the cliff so to speak he kind of encourages us there's something more let's get back to the notes so this is how the kingdom breaks out just to underline with Elisha we are not impressed or intimidated by wealth or power it's so easy to do that but it's just a small thing to throw in there we do not need to be intimidated by anything the world has to offer because we're in Christ we're children of God 
That's where our status, our confidence, and our security comes from. And we can heal the sick. We can heal the sick. Let's go a little bit faster, shall we? Let's go back to Naaman in verse 11. We follow the story through. I really enjoy Naaman's anger here. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not a barner and far for the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned off and went off in a rage. In family life, I've got four daughters and my wife, and we make plans to do things. We make plans to go places. We make plans how the day might go. There are variables that go into this plan. We look at the variables, we agree what they are, we make a plan. Halfway through the day, the plan always changes. My wife will say, shall we do this instead, or that instead? And I will say, the variables haven't changed. Why does the plan need to change? Nothing else has happened. We have no new information. We have agreed on the plan. We have baselined the plan. Why does the plan need to change? Sometimes there may be a touch, a little smidge of anger that sneaks in. Why? But because I'm full of grace, we change the plan. Even though the variables haven't changed, we change the plan. Nothing else needed to change, but we need to change the plan because we always change the plan. So we change the plan and we go, we're a different plan, and that's fine, isn't it? <laughs> it's not fine for Naaman. He had a plan. This was the plan. Elisha was going to come out of the house for a start, and then in some sort of Jedi manner was going to swipe his hand over the spot, call upon the name of his Lord, I would disappear, it would disappear, the leprosy would disappear, and then I'd be healed. That's the way it was going to happen. Instead, he gets this, go to the river, dunk, 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 dunk. That's not what I wanted. That wasn't part of the plan. Dunking was not part of the healing plan, Elisha. Jedi swipe was. What is this man on? I had a plan. I've got chariots, plural, and horses, lots of money, wealth, power. You're subject to me. Why are you not sticking with the plan, Elisha? He was angry. I relate to that anger. I empathize with the anger because the plan changed. We have set ideas about how God should do things. God, I want this and I want you to do it this way. What happens when that doesn't happen? Well, that doesn't happen. How do we react? There's understandable frustration, but when frustration moves into anger, into rage, let me suggest this. Your pride is bubbling up. My pride is bubbling up. When we get angry with God, we're saying this, I know better than you. Like Naaman says to Elisha, I had a plan. I know how it should work out. I don't know what you're on. There's a a sense of that with God when we get angry with him. I had a plan. Why did you not stick to it? 
Why did you not stick to my plan, God? And it sounds ridiculous when I say it like that, but how many times have we caught in a trap? How many times do we find ourselves a week later going, oh yeah, sorry God, I was trying to make you do what I wanted rather than following you, rather than seeking you, rather than going after what you wanted. We need to learn that lesson from Naaman in terms of letting the kingdom break out because when anger and pride abounds, the kingdom is not breaking out. It's the very opposite of the kingdom breaking out. Here's my other favorite bit in this story. Let's look at the servants. If we left the story there, Naaman's in a rage, is wandering off, no healing, no recognition of who God is, no reference in the Luke 4.27, Jesus wouldn't comment on him. The kingdom wouldn't have broke out in such a significant way, unless it was for Naaman's servants. Verse 13, they went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed. The nobodies who don't know God help Naaman humble himself and be healed. This is how big our God is. Yes, he utilizes the people that are his, the children that are his, those who have turned to him, have been saved, those who are called by them, those whose spirit, his spirit rests in and in who he leads. But he uses those who don't even know him. Servants from another country who don't, have never even heard of the living God, he uses them. What's the learning point here? For what can we pick up on here? God's wisdom and God's power operates outside even of those who are redeemed. And so I personally, particularly in the work context, have learned godly things and skills that have enabled me to serve God in the church. Let me give you two examples. My, one of my first bosses, Simon Lewis, the silver fox, as we used to call him, taught me this. The appearance of competence is far more important than actual competence. <laughs> no, he didn't really. That's a joke. That's what we used to joke about. In the, we, I worked in the civil service, and at the time, I, I can't comment on now, it was 10 years ago. At the time, there were those who were not competent, but try to appear competent. Anyway, here's the real lesson that I learned. With uh, my last boss in the civil service, my job was to, um, I was a program and project manager and I would lead workshops and my manager taught me basically how to do facilitated training. So um, instead of just doing front-led training, help draw uh, information and draw learning out from people so that together you go on a learning journey and you arrive at a conclusion together. So you're almost kind of teaching yourself and guess what we do on Friday mornings with the interns? Exactly that. That sort of training. There's wisdom and there's training and there's gifts within the world that we can learn from to use to extend the kingdom of God. And we just have to say, yeah, I think that's going to be helpful. I'm going to utilize that. But the bigger point is this. God is at work outside of the boundaries of the church. God is at work outside the boundaries of his called people in that sense. Those who are chosen right now. He works beyond that. We can be confident that he's doing that. Right, let's consider the, the final episode in this story. Let's consider the journey as well. This, for, for, Eli, for Naaman to come to a place of healing, we've had the servant girl. We've had the king of Aram and the king of Israel. We shouldn't spend any time on really, but they were involved in the process as well. Obviously, Elisha and then the servants. 
And God is at work through all of this. The kingdom is breaking out through all of this. And Naaman's part is simply this. Obey the word of God. And that's what he does. He humbles himself. He goes to the river and washes seven times. But something dramatic happens. It's not just the healing. You see, Naaman had a particular agenda. It was all about the healing. We saw that in his plan for Elisha. It was all about the healing and the Jedi swipe. That's what was going to happen. He was going to get healed. But something more significant happens. Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. He's not only healed, he not only is humbled by God, but he honors the one and only true God. He comes to recognize this. There's only one God. There is only one true God. And we know through the New Testament revelation, there's only one way to him, through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I don't know why you're here this morning. I don't know what you've come to get from God. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's community. But here's the promise. From Scripture, salvation comes through Jesus. Salvation comes through him. And we've been singing about and hearing this morning, our sins are dealt with at the cross. They are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Anything we think we have in terms of sin chaining us are paper chains because Jesus has broken the chains that we might be cleansed and have a righteousness that is not our own, a righteousness that comes from Christ, a righteousness that enables us to know a holy God. Nothing is more dramatic. Nothing says the kingdom of God breaking out more than someone coming to recognize this. There is only one true God and salvation is found in one name alone. That is Jesus. That's when the kingdom of God breaks out most dramatically. And for us, there's a little lesson to learn here. Obeying the word of God is the most significant way that the kingdom of God can break out. Whether it's through the word of written word of God, obeying this is a powerful statement. This is the word of God. When we obey this, significant things happen. The kingdom of God will break out. It has to break out. But also, obeying God in terms of the promptings of the Spirit. Sometimes in our gut, sometimes in our brain, sometimes, again, coming off the, the pages of the Bible. Maybe it's something huge, like he's got a nation he's put on your heart. And the simple thing is this, obey the word of God and let the kingdom break out. Maybe it's something smaller, like, I want you to buy a bunch of flowers for that person at work. I read a story recently where someone did that, not knowing why or how or what purpose was in it, gave them a bunch of flowers, and it turned out it was an anniversary, a year, from a miscarriage that she'd had. And she came to a place of saying, surely God is real. We're hearing 
on Wednesday at Alpha from Steve Wiley about how he'd harangued a Christian worker he'd been with and say, you need to show me God's real. And so she said, on the 21st of October, your house has not sell for seven years, will sell. And it did. And he had to say, oh, maybe this God is real. Sometimes the little steps we take, the little things as we obey the word of God, huge advances are made in the kingdom. Let's wrap up with a little bit of a summary. When we read this story, we immediately are drawn to Elisha and how impressive he is. And we all think, oh, can we really be like him? Let me encourage us. I think in some ways we can. But as we see this story, the kingdom is breaking out in little ways. And all of us can be like that Israelite servant. Maybe we feel weak. Maybe we feel in uncertain circumstances, but the kingdom of God can break out. Maybe it's through small steps of forgiveness. Maybe it's through just believing God. But we want to be those who recognize this. The kingdom of God is advancing. The kingdom of God is at work. Jesus, commentating on this passage, was essentially saying, the kingdom's going to break out. You're going to try and control it and keep it within Israel, but it's not going to stay within Israel. It's going to break out. It's going to go. And my, if you like, kind of a prophetic encouragement for us this morning is that maybe we can be sometimes a little cozy and we want to see the kingdom break out here. But this is what the word of God has convicted me, and I hope it's convicted you this morning. It will break out. It will go out. As we submit ourselves to the word of God, as we walk in step with the spirit, the kingdom of God will break out, and it will advance, and it will make a difference. Whether we feel able, capable, or strong, or whether we feel weak, rejected, and sidelined, God will still use us, and the kingdom will still break out. Amen? I'd like to pray for us again.